my years of exile has found my way towards this family. Collected stories of what others said had happened to the revolution. And so many of them felt like one of the parson's sermons. Simple moral tales, black and white, the masks flicking to and fro. In one, the glorious, righteous revolution against the evil of ambition. In the next, the true but doomed rulers fighting to defend themselves from a force that would burn the world down. Now, obviously, I favour one of those interpretations more than the other, but I object to the way the whole siege is cast in these absolutes. There were nothing glorious or good about it. We fought for our own survival with whatever we had at hand. They threw everything they had at us. Click, clack of a pale lanterns. A crash, a blister bolt through houses. The implacable press, a spear and heel. Lives with me even now. There were none and nothing left in embrace and scarred by that day. Now there's one thing that those stories get right. That our quarrel, our revolution against the Nimshiv's tyranny, it was just a petty, tiny thing compared to what came to overshadow it. In our struggle, neither of us had carried on the other factions and forces and things both more ancient and more new began to awaken. Limb shifts would dash themselves against the cliffs of the lodge and we, who clung like limpets to the rock, lose our grip. Embrace had always been a fragile promise, a city that defied how the world should be. It weren't to last. As we lay entangled, hands round each other's throats, the roots and tendrils of something new began to grow around us. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Ziz, and you can find me on Twitter at Games. Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me on Twitter at Thryn. Steve Martin. Hello, it's me, uh, and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. Beck Mihalik. Hi, I'm Beck, and you can find me on Twitter at r underscore Mihalik. And Ryan Evans. Hey, I'm Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at brainxray. And... I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, tdixon, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. As always, you can also go to flimsyrituals.com to find out more about the show. We have Embrace Maps there if you're ever like lost about where a certain place is. And we're on Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash flimsyrituals if you want to come and support the show and help us keep doing what we're doing. Uh, unfortunately, you will have to go to patreon.com slash these flimsy rituals, but close. How are we meant to keep track, you know? Um, what else do I need to talk about? I, ne- I need to talk about what we're playing today, right? 
which is Blade in the Dark by John Harper. And as always, all of the music for this season comes from Satin by Kai Engel. Where were we last time? What did we do? We continued the Siege of Tales End. I think we saw both Ivar and Ezra heading through the streets behind the barricade, heading towards the Winter's Lodge. While at the same time we saw Nia heading out of the Winter's Lodge to go and take on a warship. Which went surprisingly better than it should have done. We also saw Oaken rushing back from uh, Marrow Hill and coming face to face with Valor Nimshif and having a little duel, which is very cool. And during all of this, during all of this big cataclysmic thing that's going on, um, Ash has been in the Jackal compound talking to Khan Nimdaker. Did I miss anything important there? I don't think so. Cool. Maybe where we can kick off today is back with Nia. So the last time we saw Nia, say we're floating towards one of the Nimshif warships, and say did a big bit of weaving. Am I right in thinking you used your new ability to paralyze people with their futures? Is that right? Yeah, you know, just like it's like when your life flashes before your eyes when you die, but it's like your future lives flash before your eyes. And you might die, you might not die. Yeah, I, I imagine for a lot of people on that ship, it probably wasn't very optimistic because a few moments later, we had Asta Wist crash into that ship with his ship full of explosives. But yeah, like, where do we find Nia after this? There are a few, like, interesting options from, like, a story angle of, like, do we want more of Nia on the ship doing some stuff, dealing with, like, the remnants of that? Or I know that, like, Crick was heading towards you last the other option is, do we find Nia being pulled towards the shore by Crick? Like, what what are we interested in here? I guess I'm kind of torn, because I don't think Nia expected an exploding ship as a thing. Because we kind of had Nia at the top of the mast when that explosion happened, and quite worn down. So I only have one stress to go before a trauma. And I think that last move was four or five stress in one go yeah so i i imagine they weren't able to like weather the explosion gracefully i mean maybe we can show a little bit of that then we'll say roll roll and see how conscious uh nia is <laughs> throughout all of this yeah so i imagine Asta wist's ship um the beneficent runs into the Nimshif warship as it's sending people off towards the shore. And then there's just this, you see this from atop the crow's nest, of just this ripple of explosions that tears through the hulls of both of the ships. I imagine it leaves both of the ships, husks of what they were, slowly sinking in the bay. I imagine both ships are lodged, stuck onto each other, and the Nimshif warship is tilting. I think it's the heavy of the ships. It's probably even lifting the the beneficent up a little bit as it slowly tilts and subsides into the water. And I think Nia, you are left perched on top of this warship. The ship below you is still on fire, but there are definitely places that are clear of that as well. And I think as you stand on top of this crow's nest, there's just this moment where it starts to go from being vertical 
to like slowly tilting as the as the ship tilts and it becomes clear to you that very soon you're going to lose your footing uh what what does nia do well it's just occurred to me that nia can't fly again without maxing out their stress mm. which i don't really see another way out of this so we're not gonna like climb down the crows like the mast uh, to the burning ships below. I mean, I, I guess in this moment you could if you wanted to, and then into the water. It just depends what you want to do. I kind of want Nia just to be, just like this isn't again. This isn't the way they thought this would go, and this is horrific and all around some. I say just like clinging on as it tilts, always yeah. moving to like, like moving to stay so you're at the bit that is easy to stand on. Yeah. And just kind of like there for a moment. Yeah. I, I, I think as you're like hanging on and clutching on, you hear a whistle from below you. A whistle? Yeah. And, and when you look down... You see that there appears to be one of the Nimshif mercenaries. I think they are wearing the deep red uniform of the Nimshif, and they are carrying a crossbow, and they've just whistled to get your attention, and you realise that they're pointing this crossbow at you. Oh no. And making oh. as if to fire. What do you do? Uh, how, how high up are we at this moment? Um, I have absolutely no idea how big a warship is. <laughs> I imagine it'd be quite high. I'd say like it's pretty 30, high. Yeah, yeah, thirty feet, forty feet. Yeah. Okay. I I kind of figured it was quite high. Regardless of how high it is, like they're within range to hit you. No, it's more like is it like Nia can just like jump down? I'm gonna say probably not. Um, mm. I mean, so can I absolutely jump down? It's just what's gonna happen next. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just trying to go like, <laughs> would Nia decide to jump down at this moment or like? I think what Nia does is kind of out of, like, instinct, mm. does the the glowy thing, mm-hmm. and then tries to find a, like, while the person's dazed, tries to find a way to get out of here. Okay. Um, yeah, that that's going to be some kind of role, I guess. Yes. What would you like to roll here? Uh, wreck, I guess. It's like, create distractions and chaos. Mm. You're not trying to be, like, controlled in any way. It's just, like, a flash. Yeah, I don't think this is, like, a finesse thing. This is, like, a clinging on to a crow's nest of, of a burning ship. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to push yourself or anything? Uh, I think I kind of have to in order to do the the light. Okay. So you're pushing yourself to do the lie, and I guess you can have an extra dice or effect for that. I can also offer you a devil's bargain, if you want. Okay. Which is, I know that you're going to max out on stress with this, which means you'll take a trauma and you'll be out of the current scene mm. for a little bit. Um, and I, I guess the devil's bargain is you're not going to wake up amongst friends. I think you're going to wake up face-to-face with Altara. Fine. Cool. Yeah, I think this is desperate standard. 
you, as you say, you're balanced on a crow's nest with uh, a crossbow pointed at you on a ship that's on fire. Yep. It's, you know, it's just a, a kind of a standard Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got like two bonuses that you could either put towards dice or effect. It's up to you. Can I put one towards effect and one towards dice? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what extra effect will be here. Yeah. Let's just do more dice because I don't have much in wreck anyway. Yeah. I was trying to think, like, it, it's maybe like a brighter light that more people can see, but I don't know whether that necessarily helps you. Yeah, fair. Okay. That's fine. That's two sixes. Oh, so we do need to work out what a great effect is because that that is a critical and that, like, advantages it in effect level. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So Ezra, where did we see you last? You were cutting across to Winter's Lodge in like a little boat, or were you swimming across? Uh, I think we we said like the tide was low and we were kind of swimming slash wading across to the spit of Tail's End. You've probably seen the explosion to one side of you and have been watching that a little bit anyway. And I think as you're looking out across to the failing ships you see like this faint glowing coming from the top of the crow's nest of the Nimshif warship. And I think it's like instinct more than anything. Like you recognize it straight away for what it is and you're just like, oh, it's, it, it's near and you just look away. I think the moment you look away, just this bright light overtakes everything. I think you got a double six near, so I, I think it goes well for you. I think this is maybe the moment where you get away and stuff like that, but we'll come back to that, I guess. Good, good. So Ezra, I think moments after that you arrive in Winter's Lodge. What do you do when you get there? We're just charging in, looking for Ivar, just hoping that he's here. Yeah, is Ivar here? Has he reached here yet? Or is he in Tell's End, or is he at Winter's Lodge? Well, I mean, Ivar's priority is Tail's End. I think that's where he would have gone. Then that's where we're going. Cool. I was going to say, like, I guess one of my questions is, like, how much did Ezra and Ivar know about this? Like, about the attack? Like, there's some degree to which you did, right? Because Elif knew. Do you have plans in place? I have some plans. And Ivar is hopefully holding the key to those plans. <laughs> so where do the two of you meet? And what are you doing when you do? I guess wherever Ivar is is setting up with this equipment he's stolen from the Pale Lanterns, I think we would literally just be charging through Winter's Lodge. Is Ivar here? Nope. Okay, on to Tail's End. Ivar's probably just in, like, the town square, near where, I assume, where Trilvos is. A, getting set up, and B, coordinating people and just being like, right, you head up to the barricades, give the likelihood lads some support. And then sending a few people off to the the lodge as well. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think in terms of the the fight in like the broader hinterward, I imagine the outer barricades have probably been taken now by the Nimshifts, and I think they're advancing on like the second round of barricades, which are the Lovin Street barricades, and I think there's also like the stadium as well. I imagine it's definitely that that space where they're like advancing and the people who are left here are falling back, but probably trying to buy you two enough time to do what it is that you're doing. Oh, you mean the Associated Barricades of Love and Street and Tail's End? 
No, the associated barricades of Tales End and Love and Street. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have the map in front of you, by the way, there's sort of... Hinter's Ward is like this interesting tail shape. And like there's this big wide bit as it connects to the rest of Embrace. And before you get to like the tail, there's where the Love and Street barricades are as it kind of funnels in. Then there's just this big long spit of land, which you've got like loads of ribs on and like bits of bones of Rodella. And that's kind of uninhabited. And then at the end of that is Tails End. And at the very tip of that is Winter's Lodge. So at the minute, the Nimshifts have taken those outer barricades and are kind of coming down that funnel of land and are being held from the longer bit of the tail by the barricades and the, the people that are there. So yeah, you two meet up in the square, I guess. Yes. I think Ivar's probably like deploying this lantern thing. Mm. I imagine it almost like, you know, like surveyor's equipment with those like the long tripod legs that come out of it and imagine it's something like that. That's sort of like how I'm imagining it. It's like, I'm just thinking about the cut and like the technology that we have here and like what we're seeing from the pale lanterns generally. I imagine it's sort of a tripod with some kind of thing in the middle of it. And I'm kind of curious what that is. Is is it? like something made out of bismuth is it something made out of like rodella's bones is it something else some sort of bismuth prism sounds mm. likely like it's a crystal that is rare in the cut or something like that like it grows out of the bismuth yeah i was just thinking about it because like bismuth what if you turned a bone into a crystal like if rodella is about regrowth does that fit what we're trying to do here or do we just want a crystal? I don't mind either way. I mean, for me, in my head, it's bismuth because you're going to chop a ghost into bits. Mm. It's going to be harmful. I don't think that that's... <laughs> Excuse me. We just sort of glossed over going to chop a ghost into bits there. Just dropped that like it was... Yeah, so what What you do... You two are meeting in the square. What? What is happening? What are you doing? What do you say to each other as you kind of meet back up? Is this like you're going back into action, but like following a plan? Or is this like you have to spend some time to, to work out what you're doing? I think it's definitely working out how to use this device, but I think everything else is probably set to go. I don't know, on Ezra's half. Yeah, I think so. I think they would like, before they've even got there in the square, arriving, being like, ship's exploded, they've, they're back as far as Love and Street, but what? Ivar, what is that? Well, uh, you know, uh, we uh, always thought it'd be funny if... Well, not funny, but uh, we always needed more of me around, right? That is not a thing I have ever said, but... I mean, yeah, now now I agree with you. Well, the thing is, borrowed this from the, from the Pale Lanterns. You know how they are with ghosts, and uh, if I can get it to work, I think I'll be able to... Uh, Maybe uh, split me into a few, few copies. Wait, what? I. Are you joking, Ivar? No, I think. As far as I understand, that's what this thing does. As far as you understand. Well, I don't. I'm not exactly a bloody pale lantern. So you've not seen it work, then? No. You just got to have a go in the ghost blender. <laughs> Does Ezra know what a blender is? Absolutely not. Yeah, I thought about that after I said it. I reckon Ezra invented Embrace's first blender, actually. Yeah. Maybe in one of the factories they have something that blends stuff up. 
Who knows? The ghost mill. The ghost mill. The ghost mill. No. I was just like, well, I uh, can't die again, can I? So what? What I'm gonna be having to go, right? Ivar, we have we have talked about this. I cannot stress enough how much you can die again. But right, okay, right. Ezra looks vaguely ill and stressed, but it's like, uh, no, I tr- if you if you're sure it'll work, I trust you. Does actually sort of solve the problem of me needing volunteers in that I guess now you are gonna be all of them. So. Sure. Why not? Yeah, see, so you've been pitching me on, like, a teamwork move between the pair of you since probably before we started Embrace, or, like, we're in the initial planning. We've been waiting so long to use this. We thought we were going to use it in the, um... In the cut. In the cut, when we were down fighting, uh... Didn't work out. Yeah, I was too good at shooting. <laughs> what is it that you're pitching? Let's start with this device. I guess mm. like an ex- explanation of that. I pitched this to Adam as this is a prism that will split a ghost into multiple copies of itself. Like the lanterns use that light to harm spirit. Yeah. This is a lantern that when maybe a ghost disperses through it, they can be split into a equal copies of themselves mm. i mean that sort of makes sense to me like almost like a bismuth cutting tool jesus yeah how did i find out about this is this something that you knew about from your time as a shepherd i want to say that like maybe the pale lanterns use this in a bad way yeah like i don't think it would be good for a ghost to do <laughs> this but um i think for a limited period it might be okay Maybe. Let's find out. Yeah. It sounds like it'll be totally fine and we'll have no problems. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. that's that's a, a common theme in, in our scores. <laughs> so part one, we're going to split up Ivar, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Who else do you need to defend Tails End than Ivar, 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 and Ivar? Ivar. <laughs> do they all have their own intelligence? Like, do you, do you, can, can you feel what the others are feeling? I think we're about to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, what is part two? A part two is we're going to put him in a machine. We're ready. But now, we're going to put him in many machines. So yeah, you've been wanting to put Ivar in a machine since the start of this, and you saw like Blades in the Dark has a hull role book, right? Yes, we're going to make Ivar a, a hull, very, mm. very briefly. Or maybe permanently. We'll find out. That's yeah. H-U-L-L, folks. Hull. So, so what are you imagining? Like, you're both in the centre of this square. What, what are you both doing? What is your role in this? Who is setting up the prism? Is Ezra doing that or is Ezra doing something else? I mean, Ezra would want to take a quick look at the prism, but they don't strictly know how it works. So. Yeah. Is it someone like Everon? Maybe like Everon or Trilvo? Trilvo makes sense, actually. Yeah, Trilvo is like trying to to get to like retrofit this to work for what you want to do. Are you sure about this, Ivar? Well, I uh, don't know if we got any other choice. Trilvo does a nod. <laughs> I'll try and hold you together after this, but not sure that I've ever tried to stitch a ghost back together again. 
Well, that's all right. I couldn't even bloody keep my eyes in, could I? So doesn't matter if I got a few more floating body parts. Trova does like a little laugh and he looks at you and he's like, but you're sure. Yeah, go on. Have a try in it. So so what is Ezra doing while this conversation is happening? You 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 mentioned machines? Yeah. Um when was it Elif who tipped us off? Yeah, who'd been spying on Nia. Yeah, Elif spying on Nia tipped us off that Nia is meant to get us all in one place for Altara to arrest us all. Um so kind of two birds, one stone. Uh the carousel, I'm sorry to announce, sort of doesn't exist anymore. Oh no. Yeah, bear with me. W- where is Oaken gonna sleep? So while Ezra and Nilcat were in the carousel planning the jailbreak, it was being disassembled around them by a team of volunteers, other maybes or the likelihood lads or some just mechanic friends of them. And it was being brought piece by piece to Tail's End, where it has been reassembled by Ezra into a variety of things. So you're not reassembling it into a carousel? Uh, no, it has been reassembled into kind of like the, the machines Ezra used on the very first score, but, mm. but bigger. And I think the original intent was that there are a lot of ghosts in Tales End or Winter's Lodge who would want to protect their homes, but don't necessarily have the ability to physically manifest particularly well. Um, and Ezra was kind of toying around with the idea of, we know that Ezra's made armor for Ivar before that um, Ivar's bound into. And I think they were kind of playing around with that idea, but, you know, go bigger. But now they're just all for Ivar, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so it's just like a load of weird strand beasts of various configurations. Yeah, they're cobbled together from like the articulated fish and, and octopuses and seahorses and stuff that were like, on the outside of the carousel that like gently undulate as it goes around, but like mashed up together with its inner workings. Mm. So they're kind of like quite nippy, maneuverable battering rams. Can I make one suggestion? Absolutely. Can one of them be a clam? Yes. Why not? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. We put a clam on legs. <laughs> and if when it opens up, there's a gun in there. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say, like, Pac-Man or something, just going around, absolutely chomping, lads, but, yeah. I mean, you've got the water between you as well, just hiding on the shore and just ambushing people. I cannot stress enough how horrendous these look. Shall we make a roll? Or several? Might be several rolls. <laughs> so who would like to go first? I think we can do this a little bit simultaneously, like, Ezra is prepping them to bind mm. to Ivar as Ivar is doing whatever horrendous thing he's doing. Yeah. So I was I was going to make him move a special ability to put Ivar in the machines. I was going oh, to cool. use Ghost in the Machine. How does that work? You can make inanimate objects move on their own as if possessed by a ghost, but by as if we mean because they are. Cool. Take one stress to do so, plus one stress for each extra feature. The object functions as a weapon, yes. You break or damage something. No, you cause numerous objects to move. Yes. I mean, you don't want to break or damage anything? I mean, not immediately, no. But but if you want to, at any point, you can take that extra stress. And you can take that like as an unliteral, like the nimshif morale. I do want to break morale very much. 
So yeah, why not? Let's say four stress. Let's just take my full remaining four stress and get another job. <laughs> um, oh shit! Wow. Yeah. Okay, so this is maybe just like one roll from you then to to put this all together, just so we can see how this goes and. Okay. Yeah. Is this an attune? It feels like an attune. It does feel like an attune. Ivar is helping me, right? It sounds like Ivar is helping, but does Ivar want to spend stress to do that? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to have to give myself a trauma anyway, so <laughs> let's, let's work our way up to it. I have minus 1d for anything associated with my splintered spirit, which <laughs> feels like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back down to two dice. It's back down to two. Uh-huh. Position? I think for this, it, it feels like controlled standard. Yeah, we planned this. We planned this very quickly, but it was planned, which is yeah. better than nothing. Maybe it's risky, actually. Like, I, I was thinking about, like, you're not mm-hmm. in a place where anyone's going to attack you, but it is a bunch of, like, weird machines and stuff, and, like, the risk comes less from, like, the nim shifts and the physical side of this to what happens if it goes wrong. Yeah, we absolutely have not tested this. Um, What's a devil's bargain feel like? How does Ghost in the Machine normally work? Is it as we're using bits of their spirit? I think they have to use bits of theirs, yeah, to to set up the binding for whoever else is involved. Yeah. I wonder whether it is that Ezra has to put a part of themselves into it. You realise as this is happening that, like, I guess because Ivar is splitting himself up to do this and maybe hasn't controlled machines like this before, you're going to have to, like, provide a bit more spirit to reinforce some of this and also help him to pilot some of this stuff mm-hmm. um so you're going to have to put yourself into this as well okay um how does ivar feel about that tickety boo it's all cool all right a little bit of uh Ezvar. Is this a moment like does this get communicated as you're doing it is there like a i think this is something we find out about when we've done it. Yeah, I think this might, it might not even be on purpose. Mm. It might be a little bit accidental, like, oh, I'll just balance that out. Whoop, too much. A five. So you do it, but as a consequence, you suffer harm, a complication occurs, you have reduced effect, or you end up in a desperate position. Um, yeah. What does the moment when all of these machines come to life look like? You know when you watch a puppet get picked up, but like not in a, oh, I'm acting with the puppet way, like it's just being picked up off the floor and it's just all dangly? Mm. I imagine they kind of look like that. Do we just see from like around Tail's End where all of these kind of unassuming bits of machinery are piled up? They just start shifting and coming to life? Yeah, like what looked like just piles of junk and driftwood is suddenly horrible, horrible machines. I like that. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate this so much and I love it. <laughs> I think, so, so there is a consequence here, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think in the time it takes you to do this, the Love and Street barricades have fallen or are being overrun. Um, we maybe get a shot of the likelihood lads and 
the vials and some of the ghosts of Turtle's End and what, what remains of Roan's group and probably like Rian has gotten there as well, just trying to desperately hold the Lavin Street barricades as an overwhelming number of Nimshif soldiers break through. Okay, I will resist this, but I guess we'll see. How it goes, yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be, for me, it would be Resolve. It sounds like Resolve, because that is mental strain or willpower. Yeah, I was also going to say, like, because it involves, like, command and consort, I feel like it's now leaning on the training that I did with them. They are more proficient fighters than the Nimships were expecting, and that they've managed to hold them back a bit better. Are there any particular things that you've set up? Yeah, I think that um, like my deputy Cyrus is there. They are like coordinating everyone, and I think that we train specifically for this. The sort of keeping them off the barricades and like catching them whilst they're on the way. Trying to climb up the barricades or trying to knock them down, like set up traps and things like that. Yeah, little bits where like they'll take a bit of barricade, but it was kind of deliberate to let them through that bit or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, so make your resist roll. Let's see how it goes. Okay, that's a five. <laughs> so you only take, take one stress. stress. I cannot oh. believe you got away with that. Incredible. One away. Yeah. What is the plan now that you're in these machines? Is it heading towards the barricades, or are you waiting for them to come to you? Oh, so I don't need to do anything to split myself into bits. No, because I think um, because Ezra has the move to do it. I think we just kind of granted that as one move. I'm fine with that. That's fine. I like the idea of them heading to the barricades. Yeah, like just stomping up the the rear guard sort of thing, coming up to reinforce. Yeah. yeah. Do you have that sort of... Those sort of shots where you follow like someone like Rian rushing through the barricades, firing her gun slowly being like overwhelmed by the number of forces like pinned down in a corner as crossbow bolts kind of ring around her and then one of your machines just appears from above her what is the machine and, and what do you do it's clambot <laughs> <laughs> fuck god damn it of course it's clambot just this carousel clam held together by like these four like bits of machinery legs it's got six legs six yeah yeah what does it do? Like, there's a soldier advancing on Rian. What what does Clambot do? It does, like, a classic movie trope of the soldier's about to swing the sword down and it grabs the sword arm mm. with its clam arm. And uh, I, want, I want the clam to chomp the, the man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, I, I think that the soldier is chomped. We, we see, like, the rest of the Nimshif soldiers just, like, stepping back suddenly surprised by this these machines that are appearing all over here that they definitely were not in any way prepared for. Oh, really? I love the idea that there's like uh like a swordfish that's like charging through the crowd trying to impale soldiers and stuff. Like <laughs> all these other Yeah. Ryan, if you want a swordfish, baby, there's a swordfish. We got them all. Who who who's riding the the seahorse bot? Just Brent jumping on the back of it as it goes past. In, in, in the in the uh, Ivar outfit. I was going to say, I, I wonder 
Did we put all of my copies into these? I don't know. That's up to you, Ryan. I like the idea that um, there's one Ivar left. Yeah, what what does an Ivar without most of his spirit look like? It's just six inches tall. What if <laughs> what if one of them is stood up on top of a roof somewhere and like watching the whole scene from above and kind of directing them? Yeah, I guess so. Maybe just holding like a rifle, just mm. looking at things down the sights and just maybe waiting with uh, with topaz. Yeah, I mean, there are these giant bits of rib. Or like bits of tail, I guess, tailbone. Like behind the barricades and the houses, and I wonder whether it's just Ivar perched on one of those, just overlooking the fight. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Okay, so let's leave Ivar and Ezra there. Oaken, I think the last time we saw you, you had just had your fight with Valor, who had managed to... Her spirit had kind of disappeared. And we as like the audience know that it's because... She is fused with vigor, and Oaken has been like left in the street, and like ran round away from like the jackal's compound. Were were you heading back to Tell's End? Yeah, Oaken was just um, gunning it back there. Okay, so I think maybe where we join Oaken is him walking through the streets and reaching the outer barricades. I think as you've got to this bit, the like revolutionary march is still probably quite far behind you because I know you opted to leave those behind and kind of rush across. They're, they're fine. They'll be fine. Yeah, they'll get here. So I think it's kind of you just walking through these very quiet streets. They're unusually quiet. You can see somewhere to your left there is still the smouldering fire and smoke of the two ships. At some point, you probably saw the bright flash coming from that direction as well. And from ahead of you, you can hear the sounds of the fighting and the conflict. But the outer barricades themselves now seem to have been abandoned. They've mostly been torn down. Some of it is in flames. A lot of it is just rubble now. And it seems like the Nimshif family soldiers have gotten past this point. Where is... Oaken going as he wanders through these quiet streets? Is he just trying to go to the fighting? Is he trying to like work out what's around him? I think maybe he's he's trying to find Ezra. Ezra and Dash and everyone else. <laughs> and others brackets various. <laughs> yeah, so what does Oaken do as he reaches the barricades? Does he do that thing of like crouching amongst them, trying to work out what's going on? Oh, no way. Or does he just or does he just get that shot of just him striding through? Striding straight through. Okay. I think what you can see around you is ahead of you, you can hear the sounds of fighting and you can probably see the fluttering banners of the Nimshifts. You can maybe see the stadium. You can definitely see the stadium. And there seems to be some fighting happening there. Um, but that doesn't seem to be like the main place where fighting is that that is definitely clustered around 11 street barricades i think as you walk through the streets and get closer to it you can definitely hear like sounds of arguments and fighting just coming from within the streets as some of you probably see one of these groups like going around and just pulling people out of houses 
and you can probably see that they're leading people into the stadium and just kind of gathering up the people who aren't fighting. You can see the wire to your left, the big bit of like fleshwood, and you can see the flickering lights from within there of the pale lanterns, and you can see bits of the fleshwood just dying as they seem to they seem to be just destroying as much as they can, either with the lanterns or with flame. And beyond the wire, you can see the Winter's Lodge stood strange and tall. And you can see that there seems to be like a warship surrounding it. Which way do you go? Oh, that's a hard one. Mm. Um... Yeah, so there's the main bulk of the fighting. There is the people being rounded up. There's the wire that's on like being destroyed. And then there's like Winter's Lodge. I think maybe starting to take some like bolts and fire from from the ship oh i wonder if i could go check on the goal mm. if, if i was a character with more kind of emotional attachments to other people it'd be a bit easier does the Oaken have an emotional attachment to the goal though that's the interesting thing right no but i think he's not used to operating in these kind of situations under emotional attachments, he's used to operating, you know, based on planning. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, not like facts and logic and reason. Like, mm. I don't think it's that bad, but there's training there. Almost that military sort of planning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you have a place and a role within a structure. Yeah, yeah, and you, like, carry out that role yeah. rather than, you know. Yeah, and and it's interesting here because we can flash back if we want to, if there's, because we know that some people knew about the plan, like, is there anything that people have told Oaken to do? Or, <laughs> or have people just <laughs> not done that? Have people just been like, Oaken will be fine? I th- do you think anyone would? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm mostly looking towards Ezra here. <laughs> Or Ivar. Yeah, like, we've not seen much of Oaken in action, but we know that he is, like, a trained fighter, and we know that he's been training the people in Tail's End. Yeah. So, like, I feel like it would be reasonable that we maybe wouldn't have told him why, but just in a, like, hey, if for no reason at all (laughs) everything suddenly seems really terrible, go back to Tail's End (laughs) and hold the barricade. For literally as long as you can. So, like, the barricade in particular, not the lodge? I think for... for, I mean, I don't want to speak for Ivar, but for Ezra, the barricade would be the main concern before Mm. the lodge. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because, like, Ezra cares about Tail's End and the revolutionaries and, you know, people (laughs) that they know. Yeah. And to them, Winter's Lodge is a building. Yeah. And it almost feels like that's the last place you'd have to defend anyway. It's like, if you can hold them at the barricades. Yeah, it feels like we would fall back from there as yeah. we have to. But we don't want to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we would have made that clear to Oaken, but I think Oaken's loyalties, understandably, would be split between this and mm. the goal. Not to be completely contrary, but hearing that does make me want to do one of the options that's not that. <laughs> that's good. I love it. Yeah. That is really good, yeah. 
Like, I think that's what we told Oaken. It's not necessarily what Oaken will do, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe that. Maybe this is a breaking his training moment. Hmm. Does Oaken feel anything as the goal is, or like the winter sludge is under attack? Is there a connection? When I buried it, was that like link severed completely? I don't know whether completely, but a lot of it. Mm. In my head, and like, feel free to say no to this, but like, I sort of imagine it, it's like a change in a relationship, right? From something you're like intrinsically connected to, to something you're still connected to, but you, you're both got your own independence there. Yeah. I'm, I'm really caught between um, Oaken wanting to help out, you know, the people being rounded up because he's a hero now and, and you know, the adoring crowds would be really grateful or him going for the goal. Yeah. Like, the, the one other thing I will give you, which might make this a harder decision, but I think it, like, just to play on the table is... You probably know Nimshift tactics, and like where they are putting their prisoners is likely where Valor and Vigor are. Ooh. <laughs> mm. Not sure how I feel about those two right now. No, I, like I could definitely see Oaken just being uh, knowing that but avoiding it. Yeah. Oh man, this is really hard. Yeah. I just roll a dice. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I'm just going to do that. I mean, maybe it. It is like there is something happens in one of them that takes you that way. There's a noise or an explosion or whatever oh. that's like, okay, actually, that's where I go. Yeah, something really minor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, odds I'll go to the goal, even so. Um, odd. Okay. Um. So is that the goal? Yeah. I had a thought. Hmm. I I had a thought. What if this was related to Nia and Nia's whole order, I guess, from Altara? Yeah, like like do you, do you have an idea of what what Nia might have done? Like like something that would have attracted Oaken's attention here? I do, but it's not very nice. I think that's just about in character for Nia <laughs> by now. Well, I think it's it's not it's not any worse than anything else that Nia's done. Okay. But like because Nia's been putting all of these like webs of spirit that kind of have alarms in them. Yeah. Kind of creating one that is connected to the gull that would draw Oaken's attention. But like I imagine it'd feel horrible. Or really confusing. Because Noken wouldn't know necessarily what it is. Mm. But, yeah. Because we had all those things in the Winter's Lodge where, like, the someone would walk through with two spirits for some reason. And Nia or one of the other people would kind of know to go there. Yeah. But, obviously, they all knew that that was a thing. That was going to be attached to their spirit, and Oaken doesn't. And how Nia weaved a bit of Oaken's spirit is a question. It's kind of interesting as well, because we were talking about whether Oaken still has a connection to the goal. Yeah. 
and maybe he just doesn't know and then he just feels this thing let let's have a roll actually from Nia. Okay. Not not to see whether this happens to Oaken, but I just want to see whether it costs you anything or like whether anything goes wrong. Cool. Uh attune, I suppose. Yeah, like it's up to you, but it feels like an attune to me. Yeah. And let's say let's say it's controlled. It's just controlled standard. That's a four. Okay, uh, which is, uh, you hesitate, withdraw, and try a different approach, or else do it with a minor consequence. A minor complication occurs, you have reduced effect, you suffer lesser harm, or you end up in a risky position. We'll do it. Yeah. I, I think what I'm going to say here is it doesn't just affect token. Oh. I think you mentioned almost using a piece of, like, Oaken or Oaken spirit, and, like, not quite knowing where that was. What if that was, like, something from the carousel? Ah. So, so like, this is something that pulls and tugs on all of you, all of the jubilant, maybe. No. Sorry, friends. What, what does it feel like, Nia, when this happens? Like, what is that pull? I wonder, because before it was always, like, known, like, kind of an itch in the back of your brain. But knowing what that meant... I meant it, maybe it feels like suddenly being aware of a beat a like a piece of you that's not with you that's kind of screaming. Oh no. Well, it's all built as like, you know, an alarm system. So Yeah, so I think wherever you are, like Oaken at the barricades, Ivar stood on on the tail bones, like overlooking the Lovin Street barricades, Ezra, wherever Ezra is, like dispersed between these different bodies, and probably like their actual body in Tail's End, and Ash in the Jackal compound, you just feel this strange pull and tug of screaming, and you know that it's got something to do with the goal. Something horrible is happening there. Good. Cool. Good. This is fine. Hmm. I just realized how how perfect it is that. Like, Nia has given himself, like, perfect cover. <laughs> Hello, I'm floating through the skies and I'm very bright and shiny. I was above the river, you all saw me. <laughs> Maybe Nia is better at this than I thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> Accidental genius. <laughs> That's what flashbacks are for, making you look competent. I didn't want to be competent like this. Oh. <laughs> uh. So Beck, the the Oaken head towards the Winter's Lodge, like having felt this. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Doing his nice little jumping and I don't yeah. well, I don't know if he's doing the jumping. I think he is just actually running there normally. Oh. I mean there's no one around to impress anyway. <laughs> I I'm just imagining this is like full on desperation sprint almost. Yeah, yeah, like instinct flight time. Mm. Yeah, and I think how long does this go on for, Nia? Like, is it a permanent thing? I think so, yes. I don't know that Nia's put a stop into it. Like, it's kind of a... Y- you have to go turn it off. Like, you have to go be in the vicinity thing was how this was all designed. Um, Can I give you... Another thing as well, Ziz. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, As well as this sound, like, you probably feel it, but not as bad. You probably, like, dimmed it for yourself. The actual alarm triggers. The, the, 
The one that's specifically for Winter's Y'all or the one that's for anyone trying to get into the Gaul's area? Uh, the one that's, like, near the Gaul, protecting that. That's, that's, the sec- that's, that's the secret one that Nia put up that everyone didn't want. I, yeah. I would like to say, as an, as an aside, I think that um, Ivar would have dispatched a speedy lad, a little scout, scout bot. Scout clam in that general direction. In my head, it's like a little, um, like a flying fish with two legs, <laughs> like Cute. a like a little chicken runner. Mm. Oh, I love that. Okay, so I think Ash in the jackal compound, or like not anymore. I think the last time we saw you, you'd been having this conversation with Card Nim Daker, and I think Derish Nimshif and Virtue. Nimshif had come in to try and petition for Darish to become a jackal, which had been rejected. You'd also got like a little bit of a conversation from Khan about the Gaul and the Winter's Lodge and how that was spreading in a way it shouldn't have been. And I think you'd agreed to join the jackals, right? Am I right about that? Yeah, pretty much. And and then some as well, I think. Yeah. I think we ended with Khan Nimdaker kind of just like stepping and like swiveling sideways through the floor and you following him and i think where we come to is a place in the cut like nowhere else you've seen you find yourself stood on an island it still feels like embrace like the climate of the place feels like embrace and you are stood on a fairly small island that is floating in the middle of a whirlpool. I think there are maybe a few houses around you. They're built in this sort of old stone style. There's no bone in them. You know that these are kind of like old style embrace houses built on this island. You can't see anyone else around you, there's just Khan stood in front of you and you're on like a small path there may be some like lily-like trees around you and you can see other islands are dotted around in what appears to be this river which looks very much like the river trill but instead of it being roiling and chaotic there is just one big maelstrom am i still getting that scream um yeah i think this is like when it starts oh wow okay I think Ash sort of like, not quite doubles over, but just twitches mm. and like looks around, extremely confused, like a little bit panicky. What's 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 all that about? That is not me. Ignore it. Okay. I mean, it's kind of sure. What is it though? Khan shrugs a knot to something out there. Someone has tied you to something. And maybe, like, Khan steps forward and approaches you a little bit, and with one huge hand reaches behind you and makes a cutting motion, and, say, cut the thread of spirit that is tethering you to this alarm. And the screaming stops. Um, thanks, I guess. 
What? Where are we? This is the heart, or the island where the heart rests. When I when I sort of look around, do I recognise the horizon? I think so. Can I see the city? No. Um, I think the thing that is happening here is you're in a kind of old version of Embrace when it was Alamaya and it was like the river and the maelstrom. Mm. And you're kind of in a preserved version of that. And maybe as you look towards the horizon, maybe there's just nothing there. Like there was a point where all of this ends and then there is nothing. It's not like black. It's not like looking into the night. There's just nothing. That there, there is the riverbank and then the grass fades to nothing. There is the river and then the water just fades to nothing. I think Ash has a, a brief moment of being really confused because for a second he feels like he stepped out of the cup, but it still feels like he's inside. Mm. Does he look at the the bismuth that he's got at all? Not at first. But yeah, after after Khan does that, I think possibly just surreptitiously pulls it out from his backpack and just kind of I mean it doesn't have a you are here on the map, but yeah. he starts looking around the outside of the around the outside of it. I think it's a different shape. Oh. It's now like a flattened circular disc. And oh. I think like printed on that disc, it's still bismuth. But like on that disc, the lines aren't angular. It's a maelstrom sort of like circle, like a whirl leading in. And then there are little angular shapes that correspond to the islands around you. This is... This is before, right? No. Or... It is something like before... A preservation. Does that make sense? I mean, as much as anything in the cut, sure. I think he he looks down at it and sort of tries to f- trace the path on the the thing with his finger. He says, "My uh, my dad told me that the cut used to be a labyrinth, and the thing about labyrinths is there's only one path, right? One long path all the way through." Yes. And I think Khan turns and starts to walk down the path on this island, and you realise that there's only one path on this island. I think he kind of shrugs his shoulders, sort of shaking loose some stiffness that he's got there. And oh yeah, something I forgot to mention previously is that the trauma I took at the end of the that nightmare score um was unstable, and I think the way that manifests in Ash, his connection to the cut is unstable. And the way that manifests is that the the sort of marbled veining in his skin has kind of opened. It's got wider, and instead of looking just like marbling around the surface, it's like it's transparent. It's like there's sort of veins of glass in his skin, and when you look into it, it looks impossibly deep. And it looks like you're looking into a cavern of bismuth. And I think a glow just sort of runs down his whole body as he sh- shakes his shoulders out. And he sort of takes a deep breath and strides on after Khan. And is he still, like, connected to the cut in that way? I think so, but I think he's a lot less confident in it now because of 
because of being dragged through mm. like, against his will. It kind of feels like your house after someone's broken in. It's still your house, but it's just not safe for a while. It's not the same. He's seen like the dangers that are in it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So I think Khan leads you down this path that kind of circles around the island. You probably pass some of the stone buildings that are built in it. I think as you look into them, they all seem to be empty, and they seem to be empty in the same way that the horizon is empty. They're just shells with nothing inside. And I think you continue walking, and he leads you to... There's like one stone building in the centre of this island. And I think it's circular in design, and it kind of like curves up at the top. Imagine if you put like a lemon in the ground, like that kind of like curving up shape. Mm -hmm. um, and it has like a big door in front of it with like columns, like that overlap and crisscross each other. And there is like a curtain doorway there. And I think as you approach it, you can hear what sounds like the beating of a heart. And you can hear it and you can feel it through your feet. So, what do I do? I think Khan opens the curtain and leads you inside. I think the inside of this, of this room is, it's not stone. I think it's like a similar sort of material as the fleshwood, a lot of it. And it's, and this is a slightly gross description, so you might want to skip. If not, like it's like the inside of a heart but i think it's Ooh. also like imagine if when someone takes like a coconut or something like that and slowly scrapes it out it's like in the inside of a heart that's been scraped out and some of this you can see the fleshwood and other bits is just like the black husk of what's left it's a place of like ragged tendon that has been worn thin i think there's maybe like a third of it that still has the flesh, and the rest of it has kind of been consumed over the millennia. And as you're led in, as you're led to this the center of the space that's lit by candlelight, you can still feel the fud of the walls, and you can see the walls move in and out, and you can see the candles flicker to their rhythm. And Khan leads you to the center. Do I? Do I get a robe? I kind of feel like this is a this is a robe kind of situation. I was kind of expecting chanting. There are words to be said. Golden dagger. Chalice made from a skull, something like that. I think Khan reaches out to one side of him to like a bit of the flesh on the wall and cuts it loose using one of like his claws. And he holds it in two hands in front of you. Side salad? Anything? Okay. When you eat this, you will become a part of us. We are the tenders of the dawn's embers. We treasure this that is around us. The last of Rodella and Kadroya. We inherit a long legacy. A betrayal, 
a sour betrayal for which we seek to make amends. This is the heart of the dawn and we tend to it. We ensure that the world is kept whole. Will you pledge yourself to the dawn's service? You're definitely going to help my friends. The moment that the gall falls, the tenders will join the fight. Whether that's by your hand or someone else's, this is the deal that we make. Okay, sure. I I will, or whatever. I think Khan starts to say something else. He starts to say the next part of probably what is a fairly long ritual and like a fairly long set of questions and things to pledge yourself to. When I think suddenly you get the sense of something moving to your side behind you. I think Ash just kind of looks over his shoulder and sort of almost hops to the side away. Yeah, I, I think as you turn to look behind you, you can see that some other people have followed you in. And the person that you see is you see Galena holding a spirit rifle. And as you look at her, she aims at a car and fires. Oh. Can I resist that? Can I do something? If you want to, yeah, yeah. What what would you um, like to do? Fuck. I've only got one thing on my hands, so I'm gonna throw the bit of heart out of her face. Just try and throw her aim off. Okay. Yep. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a heart to heart, me and Galen. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Um, I guess this is like as now a hunt or a skirmish. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's neither of which I have any points in. <laughs> yeah, it's up to you which you want to roll. Um, I think this is gonna be. I think this is a skirmish because after throwing it, I think he's gonna just rush her. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, what's my position? Uh, I think it's. Probably like risky standard at the minute because Galena's not firing directly at you. Okay. What's the devil's bargain look like here? Unless I can do this as a resistance. I think it's more interesting as a role because then it gives you space to resist after. Yeah. So I think what is happening here, just to like stand back from the scene as I think about like a devil's bargain, is Galena has brought Darish Nimshif and virtue nimshif into this room oh for fuck's sake whether entirely of her own like will or like whether just because of like what she is caught up in we'll find out i'm sure um but as galena is firing at khan darish is rushing in to eat a piece of the heart and maybe that's what happens like maybe that's the devil's bargain like darish will get to do that oh god because you're focused on galena and you're focused on khan that's great no i love it Okay. Let's do it. Okay. I mean, I hate it. It's it's bad. But it does give me a bonus dice, so I'm on one dice. It's all down to this. It's a four. Okay. I do the thing. I stop Khan getting shot. Hopefully. Yeah, you do it, but there's a consequence. You suffer harm. A complication occurs. You have reduced effect. You end up in a desperate position. I mean, I think it might be that last one. I'm okay with this. What What did you say you were doing? I've got the heart in my hand, so I'm just lobbing it at her eyes. 
Okay, I, I think that hits, and like the the gunshot fires off and hits a bit of the wall of heart, and you see like that bit just kind of fade and fizzle a little bit where it hits. Um, what are you doing after that? Did you say that you're gonna like rush her? Yeah, I was gonna just like just launch myself out and try and tackle her while she's distracted, try and rush her off her feet. I think as you go to do that, Khan Khanim Daker strides past you and just like brushes you off to one side and you go like sprawling across the room and you kind of like skid to the feet of virtue nimshif and derish nimshif who like stand above you and i think virtue has a sword drawn cool this is fine i think we like virtue is like was looking at derish like telling derish to eat they can't refuse it once you've eaten eat it and then like turns to you, sees you below, and is like, you nearly took this from us, and goes to swing his sword at you. What do you do? Um, I think Ash pulls some weird twisting maneuver and just rolls between his legs mm-hmm. and out of the tent for a second okay. to get a moment of space. Yeah. If I can do that. Just, just trying to get out, not trying to hurt. Oh fuck! Wait, 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 wait! He's got a sword, right? He's got a sword. Yeah, he's got a sword. And you're probably like on the floor, laying in in the midst of a load of like candles. Um, okay, roll through and roll through legs and splash some oil on his back on the way through. Okay, so so you're at desperate standard. Can I argue for a prowl on this one? Yes, yeah, or a finesse maybe. Yeah, so so you're trying to like get past and then get this on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to move. Cool. Yeah, I can I can see that. Desperate, yeah. Oh, it's desperate. I get an extra dice when I do desperate rolls, as long as I have one fewer dice to resist the consequences. You move, <laughs> da- daredevil. I can't believe I didn't take. I can't believe I didn't take this as my first move. Whenever I make a desperate roll. Yeah, I mean, it it feels more like finesse than prowl. Just looking at the two moves. Yeah, yeah. Let's go finesse. Um. But what I'm thinking is, should I do something stupider and just not mess around trying to get out of the situation and just try and make the situation worse? I mean, you're throwing oil on him, right? Are you also f- using the candles, or is that a later move? I don't want him to know that he's got oil on his back immediately. He'll find out. Okay. So yeah, make, make this move um, now. Yeah, let's, we... let's go finesse. Yeah. All right. Oh. <laughs> That's a double one, baby. That is a double one. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> So I'm desperate. Wow. It's the worst outcome. You suffer severe harm. A serious complication occurs. You lose this opportunity for action. Mm-hmm. Describe what you wanted to do. I wanted to, like, he's standing over me. Mm. I wanted to just kind of, like, twist around and basically roll through his legs to get behind him and hopefully just, like, uh, cause him a bit of bother on, in the process. And then as I kind of stand up from the roll, pull the... the uh, my last vial of oil out and just sort of like splash it up his back in like a streak. Yeah. That's what it's trying to do. No, I think you do it. Um, and I think as you roll upwards, like behind him, you get a chance to like look around the room as like Virtue Nimshif, who is not particularly a good fighter, is like staggering around trying to work out what's happened. And as you take stock of where you are, you see that Khan has reached Galena and has her head in, like, one of these big hands. Oh, no. And Galena is just looking at you and says, 
I did what I had to do. Make it count. And then uh, Khan's hand starts to squeeze. No, no. Um. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. I have to resist this family. Ah, uh, the worst part of the family. But I'm gonna have to make a resistance. What's it gonna be? How? How? Just try and yell. Just. I think Ash screams at the top of his voice to stop. What kind of resistance is that? Yeah. I mean, will words work? I have no idea. But it's all I've got right now. <laughs> I guess the question is, like, as players, do we think it's enough for it to work, or you have to do something else? Mm. I, I guess I'm happy for it too. Like, especially if Ash is screaming. I think he sort of screams, uh, "No!" or "Stop!" or you know, words to that effect, and then sort of follows up with like a sobbing. If you kill her, the deal's off. Okay. Um. Do you, do you want to make your resistance well? Cool. Uh, what type is it? Resolve or insight? So insight is deception or understanding. Resolve is mental strain or willpower. I'm sort of more tempted to say that it's resolve. Okay. They're both the same for you anyway. Yeah. But yeah. It's it, yeah. It's got this sort of command sway feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's minus one dice. The thing to remember here before you roll is like this is desperate as well. So like, it's not necessarily get going to get rid of all of the consequences, which is interesting. Mm hmm. I have a think. Oh fuck me, that's bad. That's a two. Uh, I am out of the scene. Okay. So so that takes you to to like your full stress. I only had one left, so I was resisting. I needed to get a, a six, basically. Shockingly enough, I didn't. Yeah, I think. Um... Khan looks at you and throws Galena across the room and she just crashes into one of the walls and then like starts to approach Darish and Virtue. You have um yeah, so you, you've reached your max stress. What stupid thing does Ash do here? What foolish thing? <laughs> um I think he I think he just tries to barrel past Virtue. Mm. Like Virtue has maybe turned towards you now, especially if you've made all of that noise as well. And he's kind of holding the sword in two hands. Virtue is someone who has been taught to sword fight, but was never really any good at it. So he's looking a little bit unconfident, especially when Khan is in this room. And you rush past him and barrel him to the floor. And as you do so... He lands amidst the candles. And the fire starts. As this place fills with smoke, I think Khan finds you. Where is Ash? Is Ash like stood up trying to look for a way out, or is like Ash in the corner somewhere? He's over Galena. Trying to help her up, trying to pull her away from the fire. Khan leans down in front of you, holding out a piece of the heart. Make sure she's okay. Khan does a slow nod and goes, eat. I think Ash just kind of puts it between his teeth and just tears off a chunk like it's clam jerky or whatever. Winces a bit as he chews it. Swallows the first bit, shoves the entire rest in in one go. 
That's, that's really bad. How do I get back? I think Khan picks up Galena very easily and like strides out of the door of the hut. You follow Sam? 